You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. U.S. DNI Clapper submits his long-expected resignation and on the way out comments on Russian election hacking. The U.K. arrests suspects on an upgrade fraud scheme suffered by 3Mobile and its customers. Updates on Android spyware and banking trojans. Siri might be helping bypass your iPhone's lock screen. There's good and bad news about ransomware, but happily more good than bad. A quick review of the week's industry news with an emphasis on cybersecurity startups. And in China, Wisdom sees a passing of the mandate of heaven in cyberspace. Or that's what Wisdom spokespeople are saying, anyway. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary and week in review for Friday, November 18th, 2016. U.S. Director of National Intelligence Clapper has submitted his resignation, as he's long intended to do. It will take effect at the change in presidential administrations and was planned before and independently of the recent election's outcome. He's also said that he believes Russian cyber operations against U.S. election-related targets slowed noticeably after the U.S. intelligence community took formal public notice of the attempts to influence voting. Whether any such curtailment was a win for naming and shaming or for the retaliation threatened around the same time is unknown. The incoming administration's prospective intelligence and national security appointments are becoming known, but a successor to James Clapper hasn't so far been named. We've been following news about insider threats lately, and any of you interested in seeing what an insider threat looks like in action may find a good example, by which of course we mean a bad example, in news from the United Kingdom. The mobile phone provider 3, which is said to have 8.8 million customers, had noticed an increase in handset fraud over recent months. This week, the company disclosed that about 6 million customers' personal information had been breached by hackers using employee login credentials. The information lost includes customers' names, phone number, address, and date of birth. For a sense of scale, the 2015 TalkTalk breach affected roughly 157,000 accounts, and TalkTalk endured fines and lost business that it's only now recovering from. TalkTalk estimated that the breach cost it £60 million. It's too soon to guess what 3Mobile's exposure might prove to be. The fraud and upgrade scam works basically like this, according to reports. The grifters poked through customer records to find people eligible for upgrades, upgraded them to new phones, and then intercepted the new phones, which they sold to other users. It would seem fitting if sales were made from the boot of a car, but how the phones were hawked isn't generally being reported. There's also, of course, the fear that the personal information access could itself be sold on the black market, although for now the crime appears to be, as they're calling it, an upgrade scam. How the hackers got the employee credentials is unclear, but once in, effectively, they operated as insiders. Three arrests have been made, according to the National Crime Authority. 
Tripwire has an update on those Android lawful intercept tools researchers found gurgling around on some servers formerly used by hacking team. No, the spyware does not appear to be a hacking team product, but researchers say it's using old hacking team command and control servers. There are some other mobile concerns out there as well. Staying with Android for a moment, a banking trojan, Android Fake Bank B, is inducing users to add it to their device's battery optimization whitelist, whence it remains active even when the phone's in doze mode. It looks for a set of banking apps and, should it find one, deletes the legitimate app and gets the user to reinstall a malicious version. There are also some Apple iOS issues. First, ThreatPost reports that independent researchers have discovered a bypass vulnerability in Apple's iOS versions 8, 9, and 10 that could allow an attacker to access photos and contact lists on a locked phone. Until the bug is fixed, users can reduce their risk by disabling Siri on their lock screen. The other Apple issue is more contentious. Elcomsoft calls it a bug, but Apple calls it a feature. At issue is the way a user's call history is backed up to iCloud. Once iCloud is enabled, data is uploaded often without user action or notification. Elcomsoft sees this as a privacy problem. Apple calls it good backup service. Ransomware continues to boom in the criminal market, accounting for a hefty fraction of the payloads delivered by spam. As much as 97% of the spam, FishMe says it's monitored in the third quarter of this year. Locky remains at the top of the leaderboard. The good news is that victims seem to be coping better with crypto ransomware. A survey of 500 cybersecurity decision-makers, sponsored by Sentinel-1 last month, found that 27% of the time, the attackers failed to encrypt any of the victims' files. 45% of the time, some files were encrypted, but the victims were able to decrypt them on their own. 25% of the time, the victims were able to restore their files from backups. And in only 3% of cases were the victims out of luck. Looking back at this week's industry news, we've seen some movement of venture funding into startups. Virginia-based next-generation antivirus company Invincia has raised $10 million in a funding round led by Oryx Growth Capital and Comerica Bank, with participation by Harbert Ventures and New Atlantic Ventures. Uplevel raised $1.2 million for its new managed services model. Threat intelligence shop AppVera closed $1.7 million from ACP and Spring Seeds Capital, and Camplify received $10 million to expand its security operations and incident response business. Mach 37-supported cloud server protection company Atomic Core raised $1 million in seed funding, and Masterpiece Solutions announced the successful spin-off of its daughter companies, Sourcelight and Zool IoT. And of course, Arlington Capital merged three of its portfolio companies into a new cybersecurity player, Polaris Alpha. And finally, Chinese authorities make the case for their new internet controls at the Wuzhen World Internet Conference as fair and equitable, and also as bringing Chinese wisdom to cyberspace, where it will help everyone live together in ordered harmony. That's certainly one way of looking at it. We're surprised the mandate of heaven wasn't explicitly invoked, but then we haven't read the entire issue of the People's Daily. Maybe it's somewhere in the back with the sports or maybe the lifestyle section. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, 
The best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust Plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Dr. Charles Clancy. He's the director of the Hume Center for National Security and Technology at Virginia Tech. Dr. Clancy, uh, I know you wanted to talk today about a new state initiative called the Virginia Cyber Range. Uh, Fill us in. What's going on here? The Virginia Governor's Cybersecurity Commission uh, recommended that the state invest in a cyber range uh, with the goal of uh, improving curriculum and access to uh, laboratory materials for principally high school and community colleges across the state of Virginia. Um, so the current fiscal year budget uh, includes $2 million to build this range and it includes $2 million next fiscal year uh, to operate the range. Uh, but essentially, this range is going to include uh, new courses. Uh, this could include full full courses or uh, specific modules for courses. Uh, it will contain virtualized laboratory exercises uh, that students uh, will be able to take advantage of and, and teachers who want to expand cybersecurity offerings, either at the high school or community college level or other colleges for that matter, will be able to take advantage of these sort of pre-canned exercises and curriculum uh, with the goal really of, of building capacity for cybersecurity education across the Commonwealth of Virginia. So really a reflection of, of the shortage of uh, available qualified people to fill those jobs. Uh, exactly. Uh, the same commission found that there were 17,000 empty jobs uh, in, in Virginia, vacancies in cybersecurity uh, that needed to be filled. And if the, the state is going to tackle this problem, uh, it requires a significant ramp up in the educational capacity for cybersecurity uh, across the, the Commonwealth and really across, across the entire country. Um, the governor of Virginia is, is currently the chair of the National Governors Association. and He's looking to push this agenda nationwide and get governors excited about programs in their states as well that would expand such capacity. Uh, and our hope is that uh, if we can prove successful in uh, this, this range being a key tool in Virginia, we can expand it uh, regionally and nationally with other states to uh, do the exact same thing uh, across the country. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Dr. Charles Clancy, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. 
say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. My guest today is Sarah Sorcher. She's the deputy editor of Passcode, part of the Christian Science Monitor that covers digital security and privacy. After the U.S. presidential election, she wrote an article titled, What Trump's Victory Means for Cybersecurity. You know, there are some clues. He has a cybersecurity plan on his website, and he said um, pretty recently that to truly make America safe, we truly have to make cybersecurity a major priority. So he has been pretty strong on some of the things um, that he's emphasized with cybersecurity. But there are some other comments that he's made along the campaign trail that have worried industry professionals. And so went through some of that as well. What kind of comments did he make? Well, there were a few. I mean, he was asked a question on cybersecurity at a debate back in September about what he would, um, it was a pretty straightforward question about how to solve the cybersecurity challenges facing the country and um, kind of went on a winding answer where he talked about uh, his 10-year-old son, Baron, being really good with computers and calling, you know, it, digital threats the cyber, which kind of started an internet meme. And a lot of the tech press really dismissed this answer as, you know, incoherent or utterly disconnected. I mean, he's talked about how he doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't really use computers at all. So there was this sense of disconnect, you know, is this somebody that really understands what's going on and the complexity of this? And um, he does have advisors. He, um, you know, his senior military advisor is retired Army Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And, you know, he has people who are advising him who do know more. And it's you do see some of these things on his uh, website that go into more details about the plan. But, you know, some of there are questions about whether he himself might need to brush up on cybersecurity issues when he's in office. And then really notably, with all of the hacking that went on this election season, um, he did, you know, a couple of times take a step away, you know, from blaming Russia for hacking political organizations like the DNC. And um, even after U.S. intelligence officials and cybersecurity researchers who investigated the hacks came out and said that they believe that there's enough evidence to blame Moscow. And even Michael Flynn um, also broke with him to say that he thought that Russia was responsible. Uh, Trump did not acknowledge that or say that he was willing to, to blame Russia. And it kind of offered up his own idea that maybe it was China or I think the quote was, you know, someone sitting on their bed that weighs 400 pounds, um, right. just kind of casting doubt on this um, evidence. So that raises some questions about is now the president elect when he's in office? Is he going to take these briefings more seriously? Is he going to take the word of intelligence officials who are really on the front lines of, um, you know, gathering intelligence on, in cyberspace seriously? Is he going to listen to his closest advisors? Um, he did make some statements along the way about encryption. 
Yeah, he did. That was another thing. I mean, we during the campaign, we also had the big standoff between the FBI um, and Apple. Trump went so far as to call for a boycott of Apple um, because he said he just said, who do you who do they think they are? You know, really questioning the role of a company, the right of a company to deny the government, um, you know, access to the phone. And this was a really contentious issue that pitted a lot of people in the tech industry against the FBI. And it hasn't been resolved um, so far. I think the expectation is that the encryption fight is going to be kicked into the next administration. And the sense among a lot of security professionals right now seems to be that there will be a bill to force some sort of government access into encryption, um, especially since Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr was, um, you know, he's still going to be around <laughs> next uh, next year as well. Mm-hmm. And so and, uh, he was reelected. So I think, you know, you'll see some of this push from within the executive branch if Trump is remains consistent to his past statements and in Congress to take some action on that front. As you survey responses from people on on social media, on Twitter, you know, people in the cybersecurity industry, um, are people taking a wait and see approach or do you see people bracing themselves for, uh, you know, potential rough times ahead? I think you see both. I think you see people who are hoping for the best and who want to be optimistic if it was an outcome that they didn't support or didn't expect. Um, But on the security and privacy side, I mean, you see a mix. You have tech companies who, um, you know, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg had said that he, you know, wished him luck. And you have, you have a bunch of um, tech leaders who said that as well and who seem to be giving him a chance. Um, on the other hand, you have uh, people who are privacy advocates who have been calling for the dismantling of some of the surveillance programs from the National Security Agency for a long time. And they're really worried that now Donald Trump will have control of this, someone that, um, you know, several of them have already said that they don't see as fit for the responsibility of governing these particular programs that could have consequences on people's lives. And so you have privacy advocates already calling for Obama to take action before Trump takes office. What in particular has caught your attention? What are you going to be looking out for? I think on the the Russia stuff will be really interesting to watch because, um, there are a lot of people who are saying that this might actually embolden Russia to carry out even more attacks. And there were reports earlier this week by Wired and uh, Vice that this was already happening, that um, the same hackers that were linked to Russia that are believed to have gone after the DNC servers, that they already began targeting more people at you know American universities or think tanks, the State Department, Radio Free Europe, other places. And so, um, will Russia, you know, thinking more willing to use these tactics and tactics in other part parts of the world? I think that's going to be something really interesting to keep an eye on in the long term. Something that doesn't just go away in the election cycle. That's Sarah Sorcher from the Christian Science Monitor's Passcode. You can find her article, What Trump's Victory Means for Cybersecurity, on their website. She's also co-host of Passcode's podcast called the Cybersecurity Podcast, and you should definitely check that out, too. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. 
Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. Thank you.